Hello, this is the Audio Guide, an art and culture podcast dedicated to give a voice to people behind amazing creative projects. I'm Constance, and I'm so happy to be back with this episode 13 of this first season of the podcast. First, I quickly wanted to thank you for your support and for listening until now. And if it's your first episode, welcome and thank you. For this episode, we're back in Paris. My guest is Anna Tardivel, new narratives program manager of the Parisian post-internet culture institution, La Gaité Lyrique. When Anna told me what post-internet culture was, I realized that I'm clearly getting old, as this arts movement was born in the same time as me. Since the 90s, the post-internet culture is influencing all sectors of the culture industry. And so it's very naturally that we discussed dance, performances, experience exhibitions, and binaural sounds such as ASMR. The art center is no longer silent. It is now an immersive place that involves all your senses. We also talked about arts, as a tool for social inclusion, the new ways to tell stories, and the human project behind Chateau Sonic Festival that she co-founded with friends a few years ago. For the first time ever, we recorded in a professional podcast studio at La Gaîté Lyrique. And let me tell you that the sound of this episode is as delightful as my guest. Hi Anna, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, and you? I'm very good. I'm thank you for the invitation. Thank you <laughs> so much for your time and for receiving me in this place. The first, studio of La Gaîté Lyrique. I mean, seriously, <laughs> first time ever that we're recording an episode in a professional podcast studio. So Here <laughs> thank, we are. <laughs> thank you. This is like a dream come true for me. So first thing first for our listeners, in a very simple way, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. So I'm uh, Anna Tardivel. Uh, I'm working at La Gaîté Lyrique as a program uh, curator. I'm working on a new program called uh, The New Narratives and uh, Immersive Experiences at La Gaîté Lyrique. And I'm uh, 30 years old. To start with the beginning, yeah. you studied political science both in the UK, in Birmingham, and in Lyon, in France. What inspired you to work after your studies for the culture industry? Actually, when I was in the UK, I was hesitating between uh, journalism and the artistic field, because uh, what I like is investigating also the intersection between uh, art and political matters, critical design also. And so I was a bit hesitating. And after my year in the UK, I did an internship at Radio France. Yeah. And it was really interesting that I was a bit uh, frustrated because, you know, you can't dig into a subject. It's really uh, like uh, fast and uh, you're really subject to the permanent flow of uh, the news. I was uh, used to going to exhibition and the topic of exhibition was really a, a thing for me. I don't remember exactly when I uh, decided to work in the cultural field. 
But I guess it's the habit of going into uh, artistic events and uh, exhibitions that uh, really made me uh, want to work in, into this. So you always worked in producing, co-curating, yeah. creating projects in between music and art. Yeah, exactly. Is it a goal, like a clear choice to link both of these sectors or mm -hmm. was it a, a coincidence and it just mm -hmm. ended up being like a mm -hmm. thing? It feels like an introspection. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, actually, I, I'm interested in a lot of topics. I was always in balance between uh, music, performance uh, and exhibition. And I feel like I, I don't like being specialized. I like being in between disciplines, but also in between uh, topics. I think naturally, I've been uh, really into music, always uh, digging music at home and uh, and so on. And I really like the, the live experience. Actually, like when I, I saw some exhibitions, some exhibitions that were in between uh, performance and patrimonial exhibition, I felt like, okay, this is what I want to do, actually. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do a choice, but it's a living thing. And I like the idea of an object that is uh, always moving and uh, always living, depending on the experience also of, of the visitors, also like the, the message you want to send through dramaturgy and fiction into the exhibition. It's really important for me. So the art objects are as much interesting as the exhibition design, but also the text and the fiction that you Uh, involve into your uh, exhibition the, project and, and the yeah. message as well right yeah of course of course mm -hmm. the message is a medium also <laughs> also yeah mm. coming from a more political science background mm -hmm. like do you think like art can be like a great tool for like political message yeah and that's why i also did a move towards exhibition because uh through journalism you can't really uh express a political statement you have to be uh, neutral. quite neutral mm -hmm. and that's why I was uh, so interested into exhibition also and uh, also uh, social art and uh, activism uh, art because you have as much freedom as you want I mean it depends on the context and of the institution of course but um, much more uh, a playground and a space of uh, liberties and, uh, than journalism of course mm -hmm. yeah Actually, you even worked for the French Pavillon at the Venice Biennale in 2018. And so this project, and like many others you worked for, actually, was very much talking about the environmental issues and the new ways to build cultural space, yeah, exactly. let's say, in a more ecological way. Do you think it should be a mission for all cultural institutions to educate you know, visitors and suggest alternatives for new building and new new spaces to present arts? I'm not sure because uh, I think it's important to have an artistic diversity into institution, but uh, this institution must live uh, in the present mm -hmm. and uh, taking into account uh, the social and political uh, issues at stakes. So I wouldn't say they have to modify their programmation because it's really important to have a diversity of programmation of also for the art history. It's mm -hmm. important to have different perspectives. But as I said, for the process, they must question itself as the way they're doing it. So they're doing it in an ecological way, but also in a social perspective, mirror the society as it is, and uh, having diversity into their staff, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I guess it's a bit what this place is trying to yeah. do, right? Yeah, like Getelerik, it's uh, of course a place dedicated for digital practice, but it's also a place famous and really known uh, for including and uh, promoting queer cultures. We did uh, for uh, several years a loud and proud festival dedicated to queer cultures, but it's been a long time also that we host a lot of uh, voguing balls. So voguing, it's a dance practice uh, that uh, was invented by the Afro-American queer minorities uh, in New York. And so they uh, decided uh, to create their own safe place to be themselves because they weren't accepted into the everyday uh, places. And it's been a culture that has been uh, globalized as every artistic practice. But what we are interested in these cultures is that at La Gatelérique, we also support non-academic cultures, cultures from the margin. So digital ones have been a bit uh, separated from the art world. It's been uh, much better now and uh, yeah, because they have to take it to account. Yeah. Uh, and also because uh, the market is following this trend nowadays, exactly. which wasn't the case, I guess, exactly. before. <laughs> so we're sitting here in La Gaté Lyrique podcast studio in Paris, which is an art space focusing on post-internet culture. Mm-hmm. First thing first, <laughs> exactly, what is post-internet culture? That's a good question. <laughs> it's hard to define it, I mean, uh, because it's uh, so eclectic, but it's mainly artistic cultures, artistic practice that uh, have been using technologies, but not only, that's also inspired from Internet to develop. For example, at La Gatelérique, we can present artistic practice with, uh, of course, technologies, but we also show dances and uh, non-academic dances uh, that we called post-Internet dances. Actually, it's a term that uh, was first invented by a dance collective called La Horde. La Horde that was in residence in 2018 at La Gatelérique. It's a collective composed of um, choreographer, but also visual artists. And uh, they start to uh, get really interested into uh, viral videos, viral dance videos on YouTube. So it was dances called Aken, Shuffle, Jump Style that were born actually in the 90s uh, in uh, Dutch uh, or uh, English clubs and uh, that have been reappropriated by uh, internet communities and uh, especially uh, Eastern communities, especially dancers uh, that were not academic dancers and that were also from the margins. So there's also in this aesthetic of the autodidact a lot of uh, social and political questions Mm -hmm. behind it. And so they were amazed by the virality of these dances, the fact that those dances uh, were not represented in two uh, institutions. Uh, so they uh, started to uh, analyze dances through Internet, and yeah. they called it post-Internet dances. How did the new technologies change the way we see arts and culture nowadays? Mm. Um Actually, I would say that it transforms the statue of artworks. At Gaete Lyrique, for example, we invented a new term for exhibition. We call it experience exhibition. Uh, Which are very immersive yeah, exhibitions, exactly. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, because the artists that interest us are really uh, digging into uh, the experience of the visitor. The visitor is more at the center of uh, arts. And they're really engaged yeah. into uh, an experience. And as I was saying, it's not only immersive experience. For example, Pierre Wiggs had started to work with um, living uh, beings. And when you get into... Uh, an art space and uh, suddenly there's a dog uh, walking around. I mean, it's like, it's an experience in itself. That's what I'm uh, interested in, uh, in this concept of exhibition experience. It's um, modifying the position of the visitors and the um, traditional uh, experience of the, of the visit. It's true that it's not a silent place anymore right mm, like it's more yeah. a place where you come in and it's a living uh, yeah, space you, you yeah. have you, you have yeah. things going on yeah. and sounds and yeah. sometimes music and and every part are involved yeah really. and i mean technology enables that direction uh, the immersion of the visitor but actually i'm not a fan of this term of uh, immersion because for me immersion has always existed You can be immersed by a narration. You can be immersed by an opera. Mm -hmm. So uh, opera, uh, for example, it's for me uh, uh, an immersive art, the total art, because yeah. it's uh, exhibition design, it's costumes, it's a voice. It's, yeah, the scenography, uh, the, the lighting, yeah, the singing, it's, uh, the dancing, a total art show. So I'm not a big fan of this term of immersion because nowadays I feel like it's a term... Uh, used uh, essentially for marketing. So we try not to use it too much. So that's why we call it experience exhibition, because we also think that it's important to re-engage the body in a society that, uh, because of technology, totally isolates, I mean, in a way ourselves and dematerialize our bodies. So uh, For example, to uh, apprehend technologies at La Gatellerique, workshops and practice are really important. Like, rematerialize the link we have with technologies because it's not material. Mm -hmm. It's uh, all uh, made of devices, hardware, and it's uh, actually really physical. To make it tangible, we need to go through a practice and experience. People can yeah. reappropriate technologies and it's also a big stake for audiences because uh, no uh, digital natives, they are, that's not a problem for them because they are always been um, emerged by technologies. But for the elderly, it's um, a big problem. And uh, Do you have a lot of like older people? Like we're not going to specify the age because yeah. <laughs> I don't want to lose any audiences. <laughs> but but do you have a lot of like older people coming in here and participating to the workshop, coming in to see the exhibitions that you're presenting? Actually, the place is mainly visited by the youth, but we have very active policy to focus on the elderly and especially workshops to teach them the basics with technologies because it's really important to break the, um, the digital fracture. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So what are the challenges to include and showcase the virtual world into a real space? Hmm. To make it physical? Yeah, because, mm. you know, when you think about the virtual world, it's really something that is out there, you know, when mm -hmm. you, I can see my mom look at me with strange eyes when I talk to her yeah. about the cloud, for example. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like 
the role of the artist, but also the role of the exhibition designer uh, will be very important in the uh, immersive exhibition. For example, uh, in uh, our current exhibition on Sabrina Raté, a Canadian artist, French artist, emerging artist, who is uh, mainly uh, working on video mapping, but also uh, analog video. She only presented videos on screens. And for this exhibition, we really wanted to talk about uh, the materiality of the images, especially like we are in a world surrounded by images. It's like kind of uh, a permanent flow of uh, liquid images that we can't really capture, you know, as uh, they're all immaterial and just so many. And uh, in this exhibition, we wanted to uh, give the impression of uh, materiality, you know. So we uh, worked a lot on uh, mapping, but also on the um, continuity of the image into the space. So it's mainly about architectures, sculptures, and uh, video mapped on the sculptures. When you Some say vi video mapped, it's like a projection on the sculpture? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And actually, it's also uh, plays on the interconnection between uh, the... Um, digital world. I would not say virtual world because for me, uh, it's not a, a right word to use because virtual doesn't exist. Also, the digital world is also reality. So it's mainly uh, an optical game between the digital world and the physical world. So it's between also the projection of video and the continuity of this video into sculptures. And it's really a sensitive way, a sensitive uh, game, a sensitive uh, couture, a sensitive uh, work on uh, these two uh, dimensions, mm -hmm. you know. So here you're part of a team of more than 60 people. Your title coming directly from the French translation, wait for it. Programming officer, new narratives. How would you define your role here in yeah. So new narratives, it, it's kind of a laboratory of new forms that engage a non-linear way to um, build stories. For example, video games, it's a non-linear way to tell stories because there's no beginning uh, and no end. It involves interaction, but also social media. For example, I'm working on the audio uh, narratives, new narratives. Here we are in a sound studio. Podcast is also, for me, a new media that tells a story in a new way uh, with also a new um, tone, more freedom as well, uh, that explodes the conventional artistic formats. But uh, we're also working on binaural sounds So binaural sound, it's mainly sound that is recorded in uh, three dimensions. So when you hear binaural sounds, you feel like uh, the sound is moving around you. Mm -hmm. So it's really localized. For example, ASMR, mm -hmm. so Autonomy Sensory Meridian Response, that it's mainly um, used for uh, relaxing people on YouTube videos. It's uh, using a lot of uh, binaural sounds. And, um, and there are so many different types of ASMR. ASMR. Really, and it's crazy yeah. when you look at the trend and 
all the different type of videos that you can find. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. It's crazy, <laughs> really. Yeah, it's I crazy. was not really into ASMR, but um, I was looking into a um, new way to create uh, binaural performances. And I found out this project about Caroline de Lyotraz, uh, mm-hmm. who is a post-internet artist, an artist uh, working on the impact of technologies on our everyday life. And she did collaborate with an ASMR artist uh, called Behind the Moon during the COVID uh, time uh, for the um, Studio 13 of the Centre Pompidou. And so they did a video that was uh, working on the mediation of uh, digital artwork through ASMR. And I found it really innovative and really uh, fascinating. I really liked the way that we uh, move uh, a practice that is only viewed and used on internet into the institution. And this move from internet to institution, but also the intersection between ASMR and contemporary arts uh, with Caroline Deletraz was really interesting. This collaboration made a lot of unconventional narration, actually. So your role is really to dig in to see innovative post-internet culture art and trying to program them into la gaieté lyrique, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was talking about sound, but we're also uh, working on the new aesthetic and post-cinema. For example, we have um, a lot of projection screening on um, desktop movies that are movies that are only made on uh, computers. Mm-hmm. So... As you said, you recently worked uh, for different projects, the performances switch, but also educative projects, the podcast uh, series yeah. that you're producing here in the studio, mm-hmm. amongst other projects, obviously. What is the thing that you enjoy the most doing? Actually, it's the beginning of the project. Like it's uh, the conception of the project and the go between with the artist. The first discussion is about like how the project can be related to the global project of La Gaité Lyrique uh, for my program. It's really interesting because there's a lot of curation and it's never uh, already existing projects. It's uh, always creation, like kind of a laboratory. So it's really, uh, it's always stimulating to, to think with the artist about the format, but also the message that we want to implement. Do you think the post-internet culture will replace the more traditional art we're used to to see, like painting or sculpture and exhibitions? No, 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 I don't think so, because I think it's complementary. I mean, post-internet artists, it's all linked now, like contemporary painting. It's uh, really uh, proactive uh, right now. Uh, there's really a new generation of uh, painters. And yeah, it's just complementary for me and uh, a tool cannot replace another one. It's the same for books as well. Uh, I, I, I really don't uh, believe in the disappearance of uh, literature and books. It, as an uh, object. Right? As an object, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's really different. So so it will not replace mm. the no, real no, experience. No, definitely not. Oh. Yeah. Anna, you're also the co-founder of Chateau Sonic Festival that is happening every year in August. Yes. Uh, the festival lasts three days with many activities such as workshops, DJ sets, games. You can even take pottery workshop, I saw. Online. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> um, I'm very interesting. In uh, and all that in what looked like a, a sort of middle age castle yeah, in exactly. the middle of nowhere in <laughs> Savoie. <laughs> uh, so Chateau Sonic Festival was born in 2015. Yeah. Where this idea came from? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> uh, actually, it's an artistic project, but it's also really a project made with friends. So it's a human project. We got the idea thanks to an opportunity, actually. Uh, so we were a bunch of friends from uh, Sciences Po and also uh, another friend uh, who uh, already worked in, uh, in the music field. And one of uh, our friends actually owned this castle. Wow. Yeah. Can so it was quite uh, obvious and quite convenient. The owner of the castle, they uh, wanted to enlarge the public and to make it uh, known um, by a younger audience. So you and told to yourself, let's have DJ set in the castle for three <laughs> Let's days. have concerts <laughs> and uh, yeah, music ex experiences in, the, in this castle. I mean, we, we are all uh, working in the control field and uh, we are all interested also in running uh, maybe um, a place uh, with our uh, own artistic direction and also a lot of uh, freedom, but also a business constraint. But actually, the economic constraints uh, were uh, less uh, important than uh, working on a project uh, from uh, nowhere because we, we had the infrastructure. We uh, had to rent it. The place is just incredible. Like it it's, looks uh, like a it's huge, and uh, <laughs> the gardens are are fantastic. So it was the perfect place to organize this kind of event. Wow! <laughs> what was the mission of the festival at first? Was it just like a bunch of friends, you know, creating this festival and thinking, okay, let's see how it goes, and then <laughs> and then surprise, it works, and you keep on going every year? Or mm. did you have like a kind of like story or a message or a mission you wanted mm. to add to this festival? Actually, to be honest, we were quite young. and At first, it was more about a human project, collective will to uh, do something together. And of course, we were all interested into music. We were used to going into concerts and stuff. Some are musicians. So of course, it was an artistic will as well, but I would say then it was more a human experience and how to uh, work into a collective and how to work with friends also. It was not uh, always easy, especially the first years that we were all uh, inexperimented and uh, there were lots, lots to do. We didn't know at all uh, what to expect, uh, how many people to expect. And uh, actually, I don't know how we did it, but it always went well. <laughs> we just had several times few storms because in the really? French Alps, it can be quite harsh. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. but uh, we always been uh, enthusiastic about the artists that attend uh, to the edition. And, and I mean, also the sharing with the artists was really important because any artists, they are not used to play into this type of settings. Uh, type of, uh, of settings exactly. So it's always uh, quite magical. The moments that they discover the castle and they are uh, prince and princess <laughs> rooms. I mean, it's really uh, sweet. 
It looks like, I mean, uh, from the teaser, it looks like super magical place. Mm. And what is the spirit of the festival? Can you tell us more about this? It's quite intimate. At the first edition, we host like 300 people every night. And now it's more about 1,050 uh, people uh, a night. So mm. around uh, 3,000 uh, weekends. So it it got bigger, of course, but it's still quite an uh, intimate space. Mm. And this is the spirit of the festival as well and what uh, people are looking into this place. It's first the programmation, but also the place and the fact that you're getting to know people really easily. It's time for my favorite and traditional question of this podcast. Yeah. What sound would you like to hear right now? Well, um... When I did this ASMR project, I really uh, got into um, like discovering a lot of different sound, ASMR sounds. I, I really loved the tapping sounds. Oh, really? This is the sounds that you make with your, uh, with with your nails, nails on, you uh, for nails. example, on a computer or on a... You have uh, to have nails, though. Yeah, exactly. I don't have nails. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have nails either. Ah, so, but, but actually, I have fake nails here. No. <laughs> ah, bah voilà. So maybe it works. Here we go. This is tapping. <laughs> It's really nice. Thank you. Oh, made sound. I'm making living uh, ASMR. <laughs> yeah. You're an artist now. <laughs> What can I wish for your nearest future? Hmm. Actually, um, still uh, working on. Um, really in between disciplines projects seeing uh, uh as uh, many interesting uh, people as uh, I already uh, met and um I don't know uh, more funds for culture <laughs> as well yeah the message is sent more mm -hmm. funds for culture as this podcast could be considered as a sort of guide for the cultural sector is there any book, exhibition, mm -hmm. any cultural thing that you've experienced recently that you would like to share with us? Actually, yes. I really uh, loved the exhibition on Toyen at the uh, Musée d'Art Moderne in Paris. So Toyen is a, a known uh, surrealist painter from Vienna and that has been uh, discovered uh, quite uh, lately. The exhibition is fantastic. It's wonderful. Uh, Uh, go see it, yeah, yeah. I will, it's on my list. To end on a very good note, I'd like to ask you a simple question. What are you grateful for today? Oh, nice question. Of course, I'm grateful for this interview. I mean, it's uh, such a good uh, initiative to visibilize uh, more women in the artistic uh, and cultural uh, field, so... Thank you for, for this invitation and well, thank you for what you're doing. Thank Red. you, thank you, Anna. <laughs> and thank you for your time. It's been really a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you. See you soon. Yeah, of course. <laughs> This was the audio guide. Thank you for listening and thank you to my lovely guest, Anna Tardivel. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow Lagete Lyric on all social media platforms to stay tuned with their amazing program with emerging artists of post-internet exhibitions, 
performances, and concerts. Chateau Sonic Festival, co-founded by Anna Dardivelle, is happening soon. This year edition will take place in a magical castle of Chateau Sonic from the 12th to the 14th of August 2022. Feel free to share this episode to a friend or on social media. And don't forget to follow the audio guide on all podcasting platforms and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The audio guide will be back soon, very soon, with a new episode that I can't wait to share with you. Thank you for listening and have a great one.